Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on Sunday the 20th of September 2020, the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. of the loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. Lament is one of the themes of our scripture this morning. Lament is certainly a word for this weekend. Retired Justice Stephen Breyer said this, I heard of Ruth's death while I was reciting the mourner's Kaddish at Rosh Hashanah services. I thought, a great justice, a woman of valor, a rock of righteousness, and my good friend. The world is a better place for her having lived in it. Justice Breyer heard of his friend's death while reciting the mourner's Kaddish. There's a place for grief in the midst of almost every synagogue service. There's a place for those who are in mourning. And I want to lean into the wisdom of our Jewish neighbors today, especially on the high holy days. I want to make some space. If you are mourning, if you are grieving, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death hit hard, or if you are struggling to carry the weight of the world for any reason, or because of the cumulative effect of these days, pray, breathe, Lament, take a moment. Authentic faith makes room for grief. Authentic faith has to make room for grief because grief is part of our human experience. Loss is part of our human experience. Frustration is part of our human experience. If your religion is only suited for the best moments of life, if your religion can only understand blessings and happiness, your religion is myopic. Authentic faith doesn't ask you to smile and pretend everything's okay when it's not. Today's stories from scripture have another lesson about lament. It's important how we lament. Lament is important. It's an important part of our faith, but it can take two different directions. One might be called the path of integration, the path of hope. The other might be called the path of disintegration, the path of despair. Both our scripture stories today try to point us away from despair, toward hope. The Bible wants us to make this crucial directional shift with our lament. And today in the book of Exodus, we hear of the people of God in the midbar, the desert, the wilderness. And God's people are hungry. They complain against Moses and Aaron. They despair. Why did God take us out of Egypt only to let us die in the desert? Scripture makes clear believing the times of slavery were better days, that's insanity. Jesus tells the group of laborers in today's gospel, they 
This story involves a group that is watching as a landlord chooses to pay folks who have worked only an hour. Workers surprisingly hired at the end of an afternoon the same wage as those who labored a full day in the hot sun. The workers despair. How is that fair? I would argue with you in both cases the diagnosis is the same. The people are suffering from a lack of theological imagination. A lack of theological imagination. The people cannot imagine what God is doing. The people are unable to see the goodness of God in front of their eyes. And they choose despair instead of hope. Moses and Aaron's people seem to have forgotten what just happened at the Red Sea. They have forgotten the God who set them free. Either that or these people have been so traumatized, so hurt, that they cannot yet trust. They cannot yet trust that God will ensure that they survive. God provides manna for heaven not just to slake their hunger, but also to repair their souls. God is teaching the people to trust again, to trust that God will not abandon them. God is slowly teaching them to hope. Jesus' story requires a bit more interpretation, especially in our capitalistic society. Even for those of us who argue in the public square for living wages, the principle of fair pay for fair work means we may find ourselves momentarily siding with those workers who spent all day laboring under the hot sun. If we do, then Jesus' parable is accomplishing what Jesus hopes. We find ourselves there in the story, engaged in the emotions of the story. And there, in the midst of the story, Jesus invites us to expand our theological imaginations. This is a parable, a story about the kingdom of God. This is a story about the grace of God, about abundance, and how the world should be. In the kingdom of God, no one goes home hungry because they couldn't find work. In the kingdom of God, God provides enough for all. Jesus invites his followers to see that there is a certain bottom line that we owe one another. All people are entitled to meaningful work. All people are entitled to enough wealth to live comfortably. We might expand this parable for our day and say health care, the ability to go to college, the ability to retire shouldn't be bound so tightly to the luck or privilege of landing a good job. In days like these when so many of us are looking for work, surely we can let Jesus expand our imagination. There's a danger in the lament in both of these stories. Unhealthy lament turns to despair. We can hear it in both readings. The Israelites are tempted to turn their faces back toward Egypt to give up all hope. That's despair. The lament of the workers makes them believe they have been cheated. Their despair might blind them to their neighbor's need, the need being met out of an abundance of grace. They miss God's generosity. And despair is a serious risk. 
The capacity for theological imagination matters. It does. In order to move beyond petty grievance, in order to move through legitimate grief, we have to choose a direction for our lament. We can disintegrate into despair or we can hold out hope. We can let hope, however small and fragile, we can let hope lead us on to the next day. I've read a number of reflections on the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I think folks are right to say she wouldn't want us to believe all hope is lost. And Justice Ginsburg, with a measure of grace, with a measure of humility and brilliance far greater than her physical stature, worked her whole life to enshrine human rights in law and jurisprudence. She fought for equal treatment for women and LGBTQ plus people. She threw every barrier she could in the way of discrimination based on race, language, national, or, national origin, or religion. Her published dissents were legendary. Her dissent behind the doors of the Supreme Court deliberations undoubtedly tempered disagreeable decisions. In the Jewish tradition, when someone dies, you say, may her memory be a blessing. Memory can be a blessing because remembering helps us imagine. Memory helps us hope. Before Ginsburg argued the case, many could not imagine an all-male Supreme Court would rule to stop discrimination on the basis of sex. Before Ruth Bader Ginsburg enrolled, few could imagine a woman attending Harvard Law School. Remembering her work, remembering what she faced down helps us hope. The tradition of the mourner's Kaddish that Justice Breyer was praying when he heard of Justice Ginsburg's death, it might surprise you. For a full year after a loved one dies, at the High Holy Days especially, the rabbis prescribe the Kaddish. Though the tune is sad, the words are perhaps surprisingly full of praise. One line goes like this. Blessed, praised, honored, exalted, extolled, glorified, adored, and lauded be the name of God. Mourners are required to say this prayer. We praise God because doing so helps us to imagine a world worth living for. Biblical lament turns us not to despair, but to hope. Indeed, lament in the Bible is a powerful and strange thing because biblical lament always contains hope inside of it. God does not leave the people alone. God does not send them back to Egypt. God does not choose to take away wages from those who need them. God invites us to imagine a new world, a better world, a fairer world, a world with abundance. God turns us toward hope. Faith makes room for lament, and faith always invites us to pray with our feet. Authentic faith invites us to follow Justice Ginsburg's example and to find ways to use our minds to make the world more equitable and just. What made RBG notorious wasn't cynicism or an angry agenda, no. 
the justice was a brilliant example of hope and faith. Hope that our world could be better, should be better, should be more inclusive. And a faith that always asked, and what will you do next to bring the world closer to that hope? Justice Breyer said of Justice Ginsburg, a woman of valor, the world is a better place for her having lived in it. God's great hope is that our friends will say the same of us. Amen.